0: 10 of the wine tech insiders podcast we have our insiders with us of course Lori from hi. outshinery
1: <laughs> nice to be here
0: and from wine owners nick hello and jonathan from bottle books hi nice to be back <laughs> So we're gonna dive right in. Um, what we're gonna talk about mostly today is what wine can learn from other industries. Uh, this is a great technique for uh, creating new innovation in industries, looking at other industries and seeing what they are doing better, seeing what's comparable, um, and also might give us an indication of where the wine world is headed. Um, Lori, why don't you start us off? Uh, what industries do you think uh, w- wine could be looking at um, uh, as an indication of what it should be doing or or what it could be doing?
1: I think a, a great uh, starter for inspiration to, would be to be looking at the world of coffee. So coffee is one of the most widely consumed beverage in the US and in the world in general. Uh, but just to give you like a stat that I should find a bit mind boggling as Americans consume 400 million cups of coffee per day which is just like an amazing number. And we don't probably want them to drink that much wine per day. That would not be healthy. Uh, But what's interesting is like specialty coffee sales have increased by 20% uh, annually. And now they account for 8% of this 18 billion um, US coffee market. And what's really, really interesting is like more and more of those like specialty sales are happening online because consumers want to find Um, product specialty coffee that may not be and is most likely not available in in the big retail stores or even regular um, retail stores so they've been really the coffee industry has been experimenting with e-commerce sales um like to like a degree that's been very interesting that i think the wine industry can be looking at a bit closer because it's not it's not a massive um you know jump of the imagination leap of the imagination you know to go from like selling coffee online to selling wine online of course i'm aware that there's different regulations, uh but in the eye of the consumers um they don't know about the 3 ts system they don't care about the 3 tier system you know this is not something um that is in their mind whatsoever when purchasing online so i think it's uh i mean i have a couple of more things but i would be curious to hear like uh if maybe like you've seen in Europe, Jonathan and Nick, like trends in like coffee or um but it just find like a couple of other things that are interesting in that industry. Happy to, to dive more, but I would be curious to hear from other insiders.
0: Who wants to jump in? <laughs>
1: yeah, I guess I could. I think it's
2: I mean I, I... I don't necessarily have, I mean, I do my fair share of uh, drinking, uh, drinking coffee. Um, And there, here in Germany, at least, Chivo does a good job of getting into every, every uh, physical place where you might want to buy coffee. But I think what, um, what's interesting is to compare the wine industry, the online wine industry to now to before COVID. And I think before COVID, um, I think one thing that's allowed us, probably all of us, to to build our tech businesses, is to tailor our approaches heavily for the nuances of the wine industry and what people were were asking. And those have um, not always been, you know, as as black and white as is like other tech companies where it's it's just about the numbers and everything else really doesn't doesn't matter but i think it was an interesting decision for vivino um to now have um, appointed a ceo that came from completely outside the industry from, mm-hmm. from airbnb and booking.com and to bring in to, to bring that into a successful wine business but that that outsider Sort of perspective that is probably going to be a bit more black and white about how to how to take Vivino uh, to the next stage of its uh, of, of its growth. So, and, and it will be interesting to see how if that's something that is unique to Vivino because if they're a thoroughbred tech company, always have been, um, and, and if that's something that grows outside of of those niches. Um, Um, I mean, I was just talking to a wine association um, today, and they were um, uh, talking about how they have, at the end of the events, they have a list of people who came to the event, but they don't do anything with that information Mm
0: -hmm.
2: until the next time they do an event and they just send everybody the same mail, come register for our event. And they're like, well, it'd be nice if we could actually... You know, learn more about the people who are coming to our events, coming to Germany, coming to our events in in London, and be able to you know send them more valuable information. And that that is not what we're to, what I'm to, what I'm used to hearing from from everybody in the industry. It's it's much more. And so I think it'll be interesting to see how how COVID maybe has planted ideas or um, or made people more comfortable or or. Interested in pursuing these sorts of uh, opportunities, um, yeah. and I think it also, if nothing else, it also shows um, the role that associations really can play um, in in facilitating connectivity between between the the buyers and the producers. Nick, do, have you uh,
0: have you taken inspiration from any other industries, or do you see them them doing things that uh, grab your attention? And, and yeah,
3: yeah, and just sort of picking up on what Laurie was saying, sort of thought occurred to me, you know, that you can have the greatest product in the world with limited distribution, and the greatest distribution engine with limited product, and in either case, you're going to be constrained, your growth will be constrained. Um, and if you layer on to that the kind of natural friction that exists in moving you know glass and cases around the place and you know um, all of the challenges um, with regulation and legislation that go with alcohol then you know it's it it it, it creates you know um, a, a holding back of the development of the business. And maybe that's why it's not surprising that the wine market, and particularly the sort of independent retail wine market, has lagged behind others in how it's managed to um, develop itself. Um, a, a business which I think is a really interesting corollary is um, in another market, which is an, a long tail market where products are pretty limited, where distribution isn't that easy, um, but where the market is truly global is in a real niche like the antiquarian book market, where you had clearly lots of little passion-led businesses. struggling to get cut through beyond their local market and then along came a books and what they understood was the importance of having an industry-specific business, business system that would make it easy for those businesses to manage their inventory and provided them a global marketplace that they could connect to because all of a sudden because there was certainty in respect of inventory, because um, the platform that they had been given that they were using knew exactly what they had at any given, of t- any given moment in time, whether it was selling online, whether it was selling over the counter, um, they were able to participate in the global market. And that global market was partly about selling to consumers and it was partly about selling to other and trading with other businesses. Um, So I think that the the wine market has a lot to learn from a potentially obscure example like that in terms of the importance of mastering data and the ability to distribute it in real time um, through a variety of platforms and I think that that does you know, unlock a much broader addressable market in the age that we're in, where digital has made it extremely difficult to aggregate one's overall market and reach it cost effectively. Um, and um, so, I think that's a, I think that's a, a a real lesson. And I think perhaps some of some of you know some of the other things that we're going to talk about today around how friction and distribution become either in or pl- how how friction within distribution and how technology platforms can cut through that friction can help significantly grow a market and that means obviously grow the percentage of activity that's online Laurie you
0: were um, you were also you had some other um... Uh, examples you said I mean is is are we do we have still in the wine industry steps to go to be more online as Nick says there's, there's still friction there compared to other industries
1: um absolutely like absolutely like what I like for me what like what I see is just so much more opportunity for growth. Uh, Just looking at another totally different category, for example, for e-commerce sales, uh, if you look at pet food, pet products, we we do know that people spend a lot of money on their pets, but not everyone has a pet as well. Um, But like looking at the U.S. again, for that case, 10% of e-commerce sales last year, of all e-commerce sales were related to pet food and pet product, and that's about 10 billion U.S. dollars. Per comparison, in the same market last year, um, the alcohol, I'm, I'm speaking alcohol in general, so that includes wine, beer, spirits, the alcohol online sales um, in the US were 5.5 billion. So it's almost like half. And I would like to think that there's more people drinking than people that have, you know, pets at home. Um, so it's just like, it's just like really fascinating to me how like the, the purchase online, like the the de facto like oh i need something um let me let me look it up like search it either by voice or by you know like google search is like really becoming um second nature full disclosure me. i have a pet that you may be hearing right now in the background and i have yet to buy um you know, even like the organic raw food. Yes, I'm one of those person uh, that is delivered to my door. Like if it's like, I just buy it online. I don't buy it on Amazon or uh, Chewy, which are the leaders, like the big box, like, you know, that, uh, but like more like uh, a more local um, pet store that I've yet to visit in person, but they just come and deliver. They collect the point, They remind me when my food is most likely like running out in my freezer. And it's like, it's seamless. And it's just, Again, I understand it's not the same, um, you know, constraint. Mind um, you, they have to deal with frozen product and everything, so it has its own challenges. Uh, and it's just it's like a nature, um, and you know, like I don't know when I'll go into like an actual pet store to buy the food. I go there to still buy like the the fun stuff, like toys and everything, but like the something a bit more like on the on repeat but craft like you can get fancy like which i don't get like kangaroo meat and venison it's just it's insane like the world of of pet food but it's it's there for the taking for the people who want and you can't just go into a regular store and get you know duck meat for cat (laughs) like it's 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 a brand new world the options are limitless and all available online
0: Jonathan, is this is just about, you know, uh, Nick was talking also about these, these friction points um, in, in distribution and, 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 and supply and, and uh, it, it should we be more um, um, practical about how we view the wine business and less emotional because, you know, as you mentioned, Vivino now hired somebody from Airbnb, someone outside the industry who's probably just going to look at this, you know, straight up and doesn't care about the romance of this and that and the other thing that we all sort of get involved in because we we love it and we need to, you know. Um, but it, 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 I mean, is this, is this just or is there something real to that? Is there something real to being romantic and whatever that will always be some kind of flavor of the wine business? Or is this just look? More about looking at this practically and and thinking about okay, what are other industries doing? Why are we not doing this? Or this is going to happen?
2: What if it's more? What if it's more that the romanticism is important, but show but but so is so is measuring the value of the romanticism um, and which romanticism gets you the most value um, and like putting a price like putting numbers behind it. Um, so I think um, one thing that just came came to mind actually as you're asking that question is that on one hand we're saying, okay, Vivino has put um, a former airbnb in charge, but then on a previous podcast, Lori, you were pointing out by um, that um, Airbnb also knew by putting more emotion and more energy into the photography people had higher ratings, higher bookings, higher prices. And so, it's it's still all about them, or they're basically measured what type of emotional uh, values increase the value for their for their members, and so that might be the the bringing together of brute force, higher like numbers
1: and and emotion me- measuring it. Absolutely, and I think actually to, not to jump to the defense of Airbnb, like. I think it's one of the tech company um, that actually has been navigating the romance and the values really tied to the technology. You know, like when you think of Uber and everything, they're the bully going into the market, like they just, it's hard to go behind them. Like, you know, Airbnb is a tech stance. Again, nothing is always like perfect, but like, you know, like encompassing like against racism, like they just, like they just, um, they leave their value much like, I think much more closer to their chat, uh, not close to the chest, like much more open actually. Um, and, you know, like even simply, like, if you tell me, like, oh, like um, Airbnb or I don't know how you pronounce it, like VRBO, which is kind of like the Airbnb, I'm like, I know nothing about VRBO, don't care, I don't know them. Airbnb, I feel like I know them, you know, like, like, like I feel like it's just like, um, like, it's just, I can get behind much more. And given the opportunity for the same cost, like it's just, I know I'll be convenient. and know the app will work and the booking, like all of that. But it's also like, I feel like, um, I don't want to say part of a community because that's, I think, inflated. But just like overall, as a business tech company, um, I can get behind it much more um, than like an anonymous. They're not anonymous. I think that's why it's interesting with Airbnb. So I'm really curious about this new person joining Vivino because... They, they have a sense of romanticism, the importance of it, but they are like, like you, like you mentioned, Jonathan, like data, numbers are everything as well. Just very, very curious. I'm fascinated by the, fascinated, sorry, by the Airbnb business. Um, I've been an Airbnb host for a while. I'm going on an Airbnb rental next week. And like, you know, like, so it's just like, it's, uh, yeah. I have, I have a user and it's been very interesting to see them grow um, even with experiences we did an Airbnb experience with my team last week where it was all online with Zoom and we were learning how to make uh, Roman antique uh, wine cocktails um, with like a, a guide from Napoli and my team. Like, it was just amazing. Like they just, like it felt emotional. Like what they offer is, it's not just a convenience of a place to stay. Like they, they, at least they strive to do, to do more. Um, and yeah, just interesting business.
0: Nick, Nick Vivino came came in uh, and and a few years ago, and really started to capture the user, but didn't really have an effect so much on the distribution on the internal workings of the industry. Is are, are is it just a sleeping giant that is about to roar? I mean, is there something going to happen here with Vivino that might? that that it you know or will it sort of continue to 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 grow and to 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 put along like it has and get more influential but or or is there something maybe that we're we're not not everybody in the wine industry got a little bit too comfortable with right now i don't know or or maybe that's a good thing yeah
3: (laughs) well i think it's i think i look i think everybody um uh to the point that's already been made here feels that there's an awful long way to go in terms of being able to engage with and reach the consumer online and clearly vivino have spent an absolute fortune in building a very engaging environment for wine um you know for wine purchases to be facilitated through and the question now remains and and maybe the last 12 months have 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 given us part of the answer, given their significant doubling of turnover, that they can, you know, finally leverage those enormous investments um, uh, and scale and make money as a business. But at the same time, they're not the only ones out there, are there? And there are businesses like Wine.com who are doubling down and investing significant amounts, amounts of money um you know we we've heard about 750 if i if i may talk about them briefly who um have taken on another 23 million dollars worth in funding i think they're really interesting because going back to the earlier conversation they speak to addressing the friction in the market how do you make it easier for distributors, importers to connect to channels of distribution? How do you make it easier for channels of distribution to decide what their wine list is going to be composed of? How do you make it easier for channels of distribution to be able to market to their their audience without having to um, commit to and tie up capital in stock before they figured out what part of those uh you know those those um wine um portfolios are going to resonate with um their audiences um so i think it is i think vivino are obviously a really significant part of but only one part of a massive amount of a wall of money that is going into alcohol retailing and wine and fine wine retailing in particular um, and trying to figure out uh, what true deep customer engagement looks like and how those average order values can be pushed up from maybe $15 a bottle which is very typical to the kind of holy grail of $25 a bottle where actually some of those online businesses are going to start to make real money and I think that's the big question right now: is 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 at, at what point are these vast sums of money that are being poured into these businesses going to earn a return on 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 investment?
0: Jonathan, what about you? What do you think about this this uh, um, this kind of almost new money coming into wine tech? Um, it seems.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it, it is. Um, it is, uh, it's, it's great to see. Um, I would say like, if you look over the last 10 years, you, um, I mean, there's been more transactions that I think in the last six, six or seven months in the wine tech scene than in the entire previous 10 years. And, um, and it, it, it is, I think an exciting, exciting moment for, for the, for the industry to see, um, to see investors getting behind it um it's it is obviously a very difficult industry just because of things we've talked about before like the friction that like due to regulations the weight of the bottle just the the difficulties and it's it's not a digital product that you can make a make in one country and download in another country um there's there's there is a lot of there is a lot of complexity there um but i think the, the investment shows a confidence that many of these, um, many of these problems are being addressed um, and that there is. Yeah. A feeling that of, of momentum here and the, the, and we've talked about it before, I think as well that the, it with, I mean, COVID has been very uncomfortable to say it lightly for, for much of the wine industry. Um, uh, But if, some of the efficiencies of digital is what is what comes out of this um you know it's it's um that would be one of the um that would be a a happy happy ending to covid so to speak um to to have more enthusiasm more experience i think it's also something uh, to maybe go down a different path is that it's you need experience to be successful at that and there hasn't been a lot of people with this experience um, in the industry, and in the last year, because of because of the lockdowns, a lot of people have had crash courses in how to do digital businesses, and that and that experience is is probably starting to, to 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 trickle out into into new places.
0: Laurie, we have talk- we talked a lot about how what 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 wine can learn from other industries but what about the reverse you know as a final thought what what are we doing in the wine industry that is so interesting that maybe creates higher value that that creates i don't know the romanticism we're talking about before the magic you do without chinery really, like what what is there something there that that other industries can learn from us
1: absolutely not, not everything is bad on how the wine industry is like approaching um <laughs> you know this um I think like the experiential I think wine is the wine industry is extremely talented uh, at delivering in-person experiences maybe at the tasting room even like trade events um and I think, Funny enough, when I was doing this research for this podcast, like I was reading like coffee companies looking at, you know, what are the things that the wine industry is doing really well and what they can, you know, emulate and do their own way. Uh, so it was just like, it's, you know, like it's not, nothing is in a silo. And I think even more so nowadays. Um, so I think it's, I think the wine industry is really, really, you know, talented in that level. It's like in person. Um, and I think, Sometimes it's just a lack of, um, I don't want to say creativity, but just like assigning experience and time to like, what can that mean in a more like online world? Uh, How can you deliver an experience? Um, And and we're starting to see that again, like that's a silver lining of the pandemic. It's just, and I'm not just talking about like online, um, you know, Zoom wine tasting, but like those were never or very rarely done before. Um, but like a lot of people kind of love them or just like experiences right now. I'm part of a, a club, uh, it's a wine and movie club and it's all online and I get wine delivered to my door, just like two bottles, which is already a lot for one night. Uh, you you're not supposed to, it's not tasting, it's a drinking experience and you watch, um, a movie, uh, that is a festival, like typically like a, a movie that just airs during festival. And, like, you open the bottle with everyone on Zoom, talk a bit about, like, how this movie was made, then turn off your Zoom, watch your movie, drink with whoever is in the room with you, and then go back online and share, definitely a bit more tipsy, but, like, share, like, how you enjoyed the movie, how you enjoyed, you know, like, the the wine experience. Why did uh, the person putting the event together choose this wine to go with, you know, this movie? And it's just, like, it's just so much fun. And I don't know if the... This would have happened even just two years ago, even though technically technology-wise, it was all there. So that gets me really excited. I think there's so so much creativity there that can happen. And I don't have all the answer, of course, but I just, uh, yeah, it gets me excited.
0: Well, I think that was a great final note. This has been episode 10 of the Wine Tech Insiders podcast. I'd like to thank Jonathan from Bottle Books, Laurie from Out Shinery, and Nick from Wine Owners. We'll see you again in a few weeks. Hey